Greetings, faithful listeners. Jack Tuckner and Deborah Orell joining you from the progressive radio network. That's the most important term in our in a whole network mantra here. Are you on the air? Jason's Deborah on because I can't hear her in my headset. Are you talking in there? Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't hear you, but she's on. Okay. No. You can't hear her? He can't hear you either, so maybe you need to... We get a mic check, and we get a check team check. of audio engineers check. in here. <laughs> so, anyway, while we're working on uh, our audio, because Deborah's going to be um, an, an important, and as always, integral part of the show, uh, you probably have to turn the mic actually on. Um, we're going to talk today... It's actually Anything Goes Monday here. Thank you, Jason. At the Women's Rights in the Workplace show... And Let's how about now? This is working there now. you go. I hear is you. Is this working now? Yes. yes. Okay, you're on good. you're on the air, Deb. All right. So now maybe just close start. that door behind you and we'll be all set. So here we are. Sorry for that uh, delay, but where else would you get that? You wouldn't get that on Rush Limbaugh, you wouldn't get that on you know, Morning <laughs> Joe. Then you also wouldn't get on Morning Joe probably most you know, to talk about anything, you know, real, important and accurately true and edgy because you know, we're we're a little bit mad, aren't you? I mean, this whole thing, this whole election, we just... Yeah. Right? Are, are, we, are we a little bit mad? I mean, I, I just have to say, Devin, I know... Well, I'm not mad. Okay, you're I not mean, mad. I'm well, disappointed, but okay. I'm not mad. I'm a little angry. It, it actually, I think it. I think that energy is what we need. We were talking before about getting involved, getting, you know, if the electorate is going to wake up, smell the coffee, get Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren involved, we need some groundswell of... Okay, because this is because if people look at this election as the Republicans won... That's where I think it's a misguided belief or statement because the Republicans didn't necessarily win anything. What Mm -hmm. won was money. Yeah. Because in the analysis, and I saw it over a couple of different places, it was the dark, black, secret money. They won because of that. Okay. But it wasn't their ideals, their candidates. There was nothing about the party. Which speaks to not necessarily the Republican Party, but money in Of course politics. it does. But of course it doesn't speak to the Republican Party. They're wholly owned by the ch- okay, Chamber well, of Commerce. Barack Obama, you know, <clears throat> opted out for, for, for having a publicly right. funded election, well, which well, is... Okay. He can't do that. You okay. know that. Barack so o- then that's why it's not just the Republicans. It's the Democrats uh, as well. well of course it's the, it's, the, it's the Democrats as well because they I, spend four hours a day dialing for dollars too. But it's the system. How can we not... Okay. Know, but Here's the answer. So even though the Republicans had all of that, you know, the billions of dollars spent in an analysis of the 2008 presidential campaign and the 2010 midterm, uh, you know what I'm saying, that, let me just show you, that what the numbers ended up being, it is... The sad, sorry state of the apathy and the people who don't vote. I understand. Okay, but, I but know we should make it well, but, but, it, but it's our fault. One, the top 99%, almost all of the people who 
earn the 1% yeah. in this yeah, country? Yeah, vote. I get it. Vote it. But that the f- maybe you do. I'm just explaining this for the right. people who don't know. The 49% of the people um, earning under $10,000 right. vote. It's right. the people who earn 10001 up to 149999 that don't vote. <coughs> yeah, and they don't vote because we're, one again, one of the only civilized nations in the world that doesn't consider it important enough to give people the day off of work. And all the people that have to th- that work two, three jobs really say, I can't. because. Yeah, yeah. I, think yeah, that I if don't you, think so. I think if you may, if people have to wait in line at six in the morning yeah. before they go to work. Okay, we have low voter turnout for a lot of reasons, partly because people are disgusted because of the lies they're hearing. That's really what okay. it is. But the reason, again, they're disgusted is because of the big money in politics, Citizens United, the fact that these Koch brothers could spend $400 billion and snooker everyone. So the reason is, and we are, we're going to, we're opening the phones today, by the way, anyone who's listening who has their own question about an employment, this is you won't get this anywhere else. You have us captive audience here, Deborah and I, for an hour. Ask us any question that you have about yourself and a family member, sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, any kind of discrimination, workplace issues, street harassment. Ask away. We'll talk about the laws, what they do protect, what they don't protect. But we're going to be talking about that. Anyway, today, because we're employment lawyers, and this is, a f- and we c- concentrate on women's issues. Look at the, the result of the elections. Americans are concerned in every poll about unemployment, about low non-living, you know, wages, our minimum wage, raising equal the, pay for women, raising the minimum wage, but eighty percent, right? And the people who don't vote overall tend to be more liberal. They are the people who, when asked, believe in higher taxes for bigger government, not low taxes for less government. And those are the, the people who want low taxes, less government, are the 1%. People Why do they want that? Because they want low taxes and they don't want to give away any of their money to the government. Okay, but they're also and services. Okay. These are the people who say, you know, go get a go get a friggin' job. Right, I'm right, not, right. Get a book deal. Yeah, <laughs> you get, get a, book, a book deal. <laughs> right, <laughs> like I did. So look, I, th- th- I'm going to leave this alone, other than to again to mention that. You know, the same people that answer, as you were saying, Deborah, raise the minimum wage. They want equal pay for women. They want equality. They want. They believe that higher education should be affordable like it was when we were young and it was right. free. And they believe that government is here to help. They believe right. in programs right. to help the needy. Except that all of this stuff, they want their Social Security to be there. They don't want it to be increased. They don't want the age to be increased. People who work hard for living to 67 or 69. They want their Medicare, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, Americans care about the crumbling infrastructure. They care about the falling roads. They care about the decaying rail beds. They care that we don't have any high-speed lines, rail, rail lines that every country in Europe and Japan has. You know, they just, they're eating our lunch. They care about that our dams are falling apart. They care about our 100-year-old bridges in danger of falling down, according to civil and structural engineers working for the government. They want to invest in renewable energy so they don't have to spend hundreds of dollars per month filling their cars and heating their homes. But yet... And, they, and they'd like to see a planet that's habitable for their kids. But right. yet, they just voted in these these yeah. these shills, right, that should be wearing NASCAR jackets that have no... They don't give a shit. Mitch, the turtle, McConnell. But, I mean, again, the, no, but it's just... It's fascinating. And you also don't really hear about it when, you, when you're listening to the corporate media and they talk about the, the Republicans made in... The, and of course, unless you're listening to the few real progressive, like Bernie Sanders, doesn't have to give a shit about the money that he doesn't have to raise... You don't hear the truth, which is all of their... What You said it right at the beginning. 
their agenda, we didn't hear about it, it's all just attack ads, because all their agenda is, is to hollow out further the middle class, make everybody, everybody, essentially everybody, everybody who's listening to this program, essentially every, the majority of people who pulled that lever for those Republicans, and there were some nut jobs out there that just came in, that the guy in Georgia who believes mm-hmm. that women should only run for office under the auspices of her husband if he agrees. Right. I mean, nuts. Absolutely nuts. And uh, they're back, and they're in power. It's pretty scary. So, so I understand. So, therefore, the answer is you have to vote. People yeah, you have to, vote. have to vote. We have to and overturn Citizens under- United. Well, that's Because people are schmobos and they're trying okay, to get a li- they're trying to make the a living. The point is on all on just about all of the um, uh, referendum questions, the country right. voted very liberal. Right. Uh, the the big important one was in Oregon where the ERA came up. Right. It was on equal the rights amendment. Equal rights amendment and sixty. For women. I think right. it was sixty four percent. Right. They had an, uh, a huge 64% of the population turned out to vote, right, and they, it won. Right. Oregon. Well, it's also progressive, right. you know, jurisdiction. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying, too. I'm just saying, <laughs> we're both just saying. Nobody, we don't mean it. We're just saying here. That's all. We're just That's saying. That's Paul Reiser. That's right, if anybody's old enough to remember. Um, so, look, we, you know, you're going to, we want to. a new movie. Is he in a new movie? Yeah. He's got to be, like, pushing 70 now, you know. Not 70. Yeah, he he's, must be. He's older he's than like, we are. you know. No, we he's were not. very young. He's got to be. We were no. kids when we listened to him. Anyway, we are we not going to, in the absence of of of, of riveting uh, inquiries from our listeners, we're going to talk about yeah, sexual harassment cases be, today. Yes. So what I thought would be interesting, because there were a couple of uh, this week alone, a couple of cases that were really representative of the kinds of calls that we get. So I thought this would be helpful that here's an actual story in the news that people might be familiar with or have heard of, and for you as the employment expert to explain what they would have, could have, should have done, why it's happening that way, what you know they could have done differently, but to just... Because this is essentially what you do right. all day, is somebody calls in, I get information from them, and then I put them on the phone with you, and you talk about it as if it were a story in the news. So um, the first one uh, I wanted to talk about was the Hadley Route 9 Diner. Um, this is a fairly well-known uh, because Route 9 in Massachusetts is a big thing, and it's, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, a multi-generational kind of business. I forget, maybe five generations or something, mm-hmm. it seems to me. And um, and it's a unique case in that there is no lawsuit right now. And why this even came to, to uh, anyone's attention is a former employee... Mm-hmm. had not worked there in a couple of years, wrote on her blog her experience of working at this place. And that was followed by several other former employees that added, you know, notes to it. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, you know, uh, read a little bit. This is from 
uh, Mass Law, the Republican, a Massachusetts uh, newspaper. So it talks about how famous this diner is, and um, Marie Bilel, B-I-L-L-I-E-L, is, was a former waitress, and she t- uh, wrote on her blog, but she talked about the sexual harassment culture that she experienced working there. And one of the first things she said was that she I, she was working overnights, quote, so I was quickly introduced to a lot of drunken college behavior. That took some getting used to, but it was nothing compared to the behavior in the kitchen. She started working there when she was 18. Uh, during her first shift, the cooks would make comments about her appearance. There was always catcalling, which she said she was always able to sort of brush off. Comments about um, she would actually experience a certain amount of physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in close quarters in the kitchen, so there was a lot of bumping up. There was a lot of brushing, a lot of touching, a lot of pushing. Um she had one of the cooks say, come on, baby, let me give you a kiss, as he attempted to grab her. Um, Can you read her, read her one, that one entry? Like, yeah, the, what she wrote in the blog? Yeah. She, so, quote, I grew accustomed to being greeted by a chorus of mmm when I entered the kitchen, complete with licked lips and hungry stares. There were days that it was more bothersome than others. Some days the cooks would be angry and tell me, no tienes tatas, you do not have breasts, is the translation. When I asked for my table's food... My days were so commonly punctuated by stares and sexual comments that I wrote it off as part of my job. It was just another bad tip or difficult customer. I spent (coughs) shifts coaching a co-worker on the many ways she should leave her abusive boyfriend. I told her to stand up for herself, that there was no reason for her to endure the things she had. Then I walked over to my window to pick up my food, narrowly avoiding having my hand licked. There wasn't so much as a flicker of awareness of my hypocrisy. And she goes on to explain mm-hmm, that she mm-hmm. it took her a while to realize she's telling this woman you don't need right. to be abused, yet she was experiencing extensive right. amounts of abuse. Quote, the cooks knew what they could get away with, so they wouldn't necessarily hide it from Chris and Archie, the owners. Right. The cooks wouldn't necessarily slap someone's behind in front of them, but they'd wink or lick their lips at the waitresses, or they'd say something about the waitress and the owners would laugh. Not only did they enable it, but they encouraged it. So she would, she mentioned, you know, she talked about how she would try and complain about it, and the cooks would retaliate by losing her ticket mm-hmm. or burning the food, which meant right. she had customers who would be upset. That meant lower tips. Right. The real clincher came when uh, they hired a very young, barely 18-year-old new hostess. Well, she was 18 also, so I'm yes, saying it wasn't there old. Was, right. Okay, so this was just a new person. Right. She had been there for a few years. She was there working her way through college. They hired, but this one was under 18. This young, pretty young lady walked into the kitchen, got so upset, came running out. The next thing you know, one of the owners goes into the kitchen and for the first time ever, you know, reprimanded the cooks and saying, that's my daughter. Knock it off. Now, for all of Ms. Bilal's complaints, he or they never did a single thing. So the whole reason this came up was that her blog kind of got viral. Right. 
Right. So they have, the owners have subsequently responded by saying, we take this seriously, we've hired... Um, Some prominent attorney, the ex- yeah, ex-prosecutor. To, to investigate and look right. into it. Now, there's no sexual harassment charges that have been filed. There's, you know, nobody's been fired. Nothing right. has happened. Right. The reason I thought this was interesting is... You know, we currently have about five cases exactly like this. Pretty much everybody, you know, or at least in New York, has worked at a restaurant or knows somebody who works in a restaurant. This is not even remotely a rare occurrence as to what happens. It's And it's always – it's just – as many times as I've heard it, it's still so shocking to me the abuse that goes on and that is tolerated in these kitchens. No, you, you, you saw the abuse from the woman who worked there, walked around the city for you know got a hundred catcalls in eight hours, whatever it was, right? Yeah. So I'm saying the the level of objectification of women in our culture. What were we just saying before we went on the air that you know in, in the whatever country in the Netherlands uh, that they did that same test for street harassment and nobody says boo to you when you walk around. Is it just that they respect women more? I mean, I think it's just partly the sort of... It's our culture. It's our culture. Right. And it's our rape culture. We've said that on the air. I say that very broadly. It's a rape culture. It's a patriarchal culture that, you know, is a very difficult beast to tame. And when you have a diner where, you know, some diner on Route 9 where the owners don't really care. I mean, that's what they're saying. They'll do what they they do what they can get away with. So the owners are like, boys will be boys. You pay these guys nine bucks an hour in the kitchen. And that whole mama, 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 shorty, mamacita, whatever, I worked in the restaurants. They did it to me. I mean, I know what it was. It doesn't, unless you have, and this happens even in corporate chains, as we know, and in the case we currently have in corporate restaurants where they have policies, but, you know, unless there's a, you know, they say, right, that the fish rots from the head down yeah. unless you have somebody on the top. Not when it's your freaking daughter. What is that? What is that about men? It's like kiss your mother with that mouth? You know, right. that whole idea that it's okay. It's your daughter. You say, I will fucking kill you if you look at my daughter cross-eyed. But somebody else's 18-year-old, you can't even be, it's like, hey, what up? You know, you could, you could, you know, it doesn't even, I don't understand that level of unconsciousness, but that's something that we battle and try to raise that consciousness. What? I would have said to Ms. Bilal here and all these, you know, most apparently all of these women, because they were, I think it said, I don't have it in front of me now, but majority of the waitresses joined in with her on the blog and said this did happen all the time. It was like, you know, a rat's nest of harassment, all women waitresses, um, is that they also, first of all, they had their jobs and it's always a tipping, it's always a bounce. I'm in college as long as I, you know, I'll put up with this as long as I can. Like she said, she didn't realize it, right? She accepted it as part of the job. Exactly, part of the job. And most, uh, most waiters, waiters, waitresses take it. Um, I've been reading a lot based on, you know, the, the rock glass floor study and, um, that like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. That was the restaurant. Oh right, right. The glass floor. Glass floor. Right. What did I say? The rock floor with rock glass. Yeah, rock glass, glass paper. Yeah, scissors. rock restaurant something. The glass floor sexual harassment and subminimum wage in the restaurant industry. That was exactly, that, right? Exactly that thing. Right. So that's just the balance. That if I want to make money, I've got to flirt. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah. what's yeah? And your point. And it's one thing if one makes the choice that, okay, so I'll be really nice. And and a lot of these interviews and a lot of the articles that I was researching, you even have to flirt with women 
you know, to win over, you know, if you're an attractive blonde, you have to win over even older right, women. Right, you have to win right. over people if you're working for tips. So, therefore, you make a choice that this is how I, you know, this is what I'll do so that I can make money. We all make some some kind of a compromise. Listen, you know, I have to be nice to clients that, you know, I was in sales forever. I have to be nice to clients who I find right. really, you know, repulsive. But it's part of my job. And if I want to make my check, I have to be nice to. But that's my choice to do that. My co-workers, I shouldn't have to put up with that. It's one thing if I'm choosing to behave a certain way or accept it. Right. It's another when it's imposed on me. Right. Like being in the kitchen. Right. There's no question. But even with the clients, it's kind of imposed on you culturally because why, like it is with waitresses and the customers, you know, they're singing for their supper almost literally. Why should they have to do that? Why should you? Because it's only women. I can't, I can only say from almost just from as an observer, as a, as a, as a man, I don't, I never had to do that. Even when I was, you know, a cutely young waiter. I never had, I mean, except for a couple of instances of same-sex harassment that I had to deal with briefly. You don't, we don't have to do that. There's not that energy that you have to decide, you know, because I remember when we had our guest here who I said um, a few weeks ago, actually this was off the air, and we were just talking about consensual, that there are, let's say some, I call, you know, we'll call them sex workers, and I said there are, there are women mm-hmm. in the sexual, sex worker trades. Perhaps not, I'm not talking about the hookers at Hunts Point in the Bronx that I used to represent when I was a public defender when they had 175 prior arrests and they were, you know, it was sad. And again, maybe that's all of it, because why should a woman have to be driven to th- that type of work. But I was just pointing out that there are women who say in certain types of sex work where it doesn't involve the exchange of bodily fluids and involves a lot of exchange of U.S. currency that I choose to do it. And she said, no, they, you know, they don't choose squat. They're, they do that because of still they would do something else for the same money if really they could. Because why else would anybody right. do that? Anything like that. Right. Okay. And I get that because I've never really had to entertain the thought of doing anything like that and nobody would want me to do that. So um, you're right, though, when it's, if you still make the distinction of if I'm going to flirt with a customer in order to get a big sale, that's a choice. We're not the schmuck in the kitchen or your boss. Right. Okay. So I get that. So, so this is well, another. As long as we're working in a tip culture. Right. You know, that that's, right. that's the norm. Okay. But wherever you're working, the question is, why should, and let's talk about this in terms of, this is a sexual harassment situation, obviously. Right. This is a case. If they called and said, do I have a case? Yes, you do. But what would happen is, while you're still working there, and you have a case, but you're working, you're a waitress, you're making your money, and what what is that case going to do? People, well, can I sue them for, you know, lots of money? No, not yet. First, you would have to, and, you know, had... I don't even know whether any of these women would have wanted that, but had they called an employment lawyer, such as the lawyers in our office, who, you know, care about female empowerment on the job, who know what the laws are, who would tell them what you have to do if you want to stop it, and I would say, especially to those who aren't stuck there, a single mother with three children who says, if I lose this job, I'm going to really kill myself, you know, because it does make it even more difficult when you're dealing with something like that, especially in this culture where you can't just say, I quit and go to another city and get something else so quickly, right? So, but what these women would have had to do is, instead of waiting till she moved on and blogged about it, she would have 
complained to management. Not complained by going up at one in the morning to the general manager at the cash register and said, Jose, and I'm using that name generically, they may not, you know, be, he may not be Hispanic, but anybody in the kitchen who is, uh, Jose is hitting on me or, you know, speaking, you know, licking my hand, for instance, uh, and, and making lewd, you know, uh, gestures at me. You would want to, because if you just say that off offhand at the at night at the register, they're going to tell, you probably are going to get fired because you're someone who's not going along to get along with the culture of the stupid-ass diner. They're not going to suddenly change their stripes because you've said, I complain about some guy in the kitchen who's 140 degrees and he's there for 14 hours and he's just acting out a little bit. You know, and, and this has gone on for, you know, for many, many decades. So you would have to, doesn't mean you should put up with it these days because it's changed over the last decade or so. But if you complain... In writing, you write a letter to that boss, the names were in here, and you give it to him and you say, or you send it in a formal way, you know, or you record him if in, in your state it's legal to record a conversation secretly, and you say, Gus, I really don't think, you know, if I were your daughter, would you like the way I went in there? And he said to me, so I'd like to, you know, you could come up with one gross, disgusting comment after another. He said it to me, that's not right. As a woman, I'm degraded. The terms of my employment are really degraded. It would be like if I were if I were Greek like you, Gus, and I walked in there and someone said to me something, some offensive Greek thing, wouldn't that, wouldn't that offend you? I mean, it's, it's illegal. They're making me feel bad, making me feel like... You know, I'm sexualized. I don't want to do that. It's like if I were your daughter, wouldn't you freak out about that? Yes, I would. But you're not my daughter. And you know what? These guys are just being these guys. Just shrug it off. What am I supposed to do? I'm going to go back there and tell them you got to, what is this, a white shoe corporate environment? I don't pay these guys enough. Too bad. I'm. This is illegal. You need to fix it. You have a record of this complaint. And if Gus doesn't make Jose stop sexually harassing you and it gets worse, then you have a case. If they fire you, you know, I don't want you to get fired. That's why it's always a challenge and these things are not – people don't understand when they call us and all these articles you were looking at today where they, you know, their family members say it's a hostile work environment. Get out. It's got to be illegal. We should sue them. What a diff- really difficult to sue for sexual harassment. I mean, it's a really long, arduous road to hoe, and it just keeps going. You know, there's a lot to prove. You, it's not just about their jerks. It has to be that it's so pervasive or severe in terms of a hostile work environment that it really degrades the terms and conditions and privileges and pay of your employment and is creating pain and suffering in your mind. And... That has to ha- happen only after, continue to happen after you give them a chance. you got to give Gus a chance to fix it. You can't sue them. You can't just hire a lawyer until you give Gus that chance. So what none of these women apparently did until after they were gone was formalize the complaint. You know what, Deb, why it would have worked is because, look, well, it may not have worked when it was just quiet, although it would have worked. What I love about what we do, and I love about if even one person today hears this and it helps him, him or her with the loved one or themselves, you know, then maybe we, we're, we're fulfilling our life's purpose and it's, or they pass this on, that you really need to document this to make it stop. Because if Gus, one time, some woman says in the Route 9 Diner or anywhere else you know that people work, because it's wrong, right? Somebody says, you know what, Gus? Um, Jose can't say to me, I want to, I want to, whatever, mama. I want to, I want to have sex with you. You have no tatas. You have no tatas. Neither one of us speaks Spanish, so I think you mangled that too, as I am. But you have no titas or tatas or whatever. And whatever the comment is, that is 
sexualizing you. Even if I'm just saying, you know, hubba hubba baby, what up? You know, all some bullshit. You might, you might like, you know, you might, without a case, we have, who's my little shorty? You know, who's my, whatever it is, will you say, so, excuse me, who are you talking to? I'm a food server here. You know, I'm not your, I'm not dancing on a pole and I'm not for you to tell me you're sexualizing me and fantasizing about me because it's none of your, it's, it's it's completely illegal. I'll rip your arm off and beat you with it. Okay, you can't get to do that. But she doesn't have the juice to say that, or no one does. Generally, I mean, clearly, women of the reason that, and often it is somewhat class based, is we we see the higher you are up in sort of you know in the in the food chain in the world. If you're a top notch person, you probably have less people that think they have the power over you to harass you, right? If you're you know at the top of your game and the top of your business. So if you're the CFO of a company, maybe the CEO will still harass you. But fewer underlings will because you'll fire their dumbasses, right? But if you're a food server or just somebody who works in a business where all these men are above you, they feel they have the power over you economically, and they do. So therefore, you know, you owe them something, even if it's just to say, hey, you know, they say to you, you're looking really uh, cute today. And you say, oh, thank you. You didn't really ask them to comment on your appearance. And there are certainly gradations of this. What happened in this diner takes it to the level beyond... Often you hear where it's sort of on the, you know, it's on, you, you can't tell it's a gray area. Oh, you know, we, where you would take a while to understand motivations and even the company says, well, he's just being, he's a friendly guy. I mean, he's not. The, the diner, it was flat out as you could imagine. Guys in the kitchen, every time she came in licking their lips, licking her hand. I just want to say, I'm not a lawyer. I just play one at my job. That's right. You do a good I job. I have, yeah, I'm, I used to be an lawyer. actress too. Yeah, that's right. Um, I have heard enough of the stories that uh, it's clear. You know, when someone is being sexually harassed, there's no need to understand, you know, underlying causes or he's just a nice guy kind of stuff. They pretty much call and you can hear it. It's yeah. clear. So yeah. you, there's no, you know, he Jose's just an or in this case it was Javier is just a nice guy. But, but, but even if even if they were not telling the truth, because we'll always leave open the possibility that someone is not telling the truth that came up in some of these cases. Let's say the person Ooh. calling the, the 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 survivor, the victim, the harassee is making it up. Let's just say as, yeah. as defendants always, always say, say, right? Yeah. Um, the point is is not so much who's right. You know, do you always believe the woman? What about if she's lying? Okay, let's say she's lying. First of all, she could be lying. But if she were lying, if she's going out of her way to lie and say that Jose, you know, again, here you had multiple corroborative witnesses, okay? So she wasn't in this, in this restaurant. Right. But let's just say she still said, so-and-so is hitting on me. So-and-so is subjecting me to unwelcome sexual advances and energy. I don't like it. Now, the company doesn't have to decide whether she's, they're giving her a polygraph. They're not giving Jose a polygraph. They just have to make sure that it doesn't, that it's not happening. And if it were happening, in case she is telling the truth, that it doesn't happen again. Anymore. And that they exactly. don't, and that they don't take it out on her because they had to like lift a finger and do something about it. That's so retaliatory be, backlash. So just to be clear, if someone feels they are being sexually harassed, the first thing they need to do is formally notify their employer, not necessarily even their manager or supervisor, but the head of HR, because that's another distinction. Yes, except that if it doesn't, if you don't have HR, if you don't have, you HR, could be like right. this diner. There's no HR. Right. You okay, could have so written a Gus or whatever his yeah, name was. So you are writing to. You're writing, and again, why it's important to write? I'm just saying we're, we're talking about yeah. writing now, or again in New York and in New Jersey where we are. 
um, it is perfectly legal for folks in life to tape record conversations secretly with another person so that if you did go to your boss and say, with your little iPhone voice recorder thing going, that, you know, I just want to tell you I'm being harassed, etc., and give him the whole thing, and he says whatever he says, that is a documented complaint that's terrific because if they don't, launch an investigation, and then corrective action, i.e., doesn't matter. Again, all they have to do is, if he goes to Jose, and Jose, and he says to Jose that, you know, Karen or some of the other waitresses said that you were inappropriate with them. And he says, I would never even do that. I think I treat him like my daughter. And he says, well, I'm just telling you she complained about it. I'm watching you. Don't do it. We have rules. We have laws. If I get sued, I'm firing you. Don't do it. I'm not saying who did it, right? Whatever. So what's he going to do? He could grouse all he wants. Stop it. Don't do it. Say, oh, well, I'm not guilty to begin with. Good. Then it'll be easy for you to not do it in the future. You know, whatever. It's all he has to do. Right. So they have to take it seriously, investigate it. And the reason and the important thing about putting it in writing is that, number one, that the uh, victim or the woman can prove she notified the employer Right. Either by recording, but right, and why? Good. Why is it important? Because timing is everything. Because if you complain exactly. verbally, it doesn't and then they, count. And then they, well, the reason it doesn't count is because if you complain to Gus, the owner, and he talks to you know Vito, his co-owner, and they say, you know what, we got ourselves a situation. Karen's a bit of a time bomb. You know, she's some feminist. You know, women's studies major. We shouldn't have hired her. And she's making all kinds of noises about the kitchen. Uh, what are we going to do about it? And and Vito says, "What are you going to do about it? Fire her. We'll just say she. We'll say tonight that some customers complained about her, or there was ten dollars missing from the register. Fire her, dumbass." And then when she goes to say later, "Well, you fired me two minutes after I complained of sexual right. harassment," they say, "No habla. You didn't do it. We have no proof. You're lying, sack of sand. You're only doing that because you're disgruntled." So it's clearly really important that whether it's a tape recording or more typically an email, a FedEx letter where you're just saying, and again, you don't have to, you know, you could try first to have a conversation with your predator person. You don't have to be officious about this. You don't want to get into litigation, but you need to protect yourself. And the way to do it and the way to actually change the world one diner at a time is to put it in writing because you know what happened and this is what's so awesome. Here, and this is the same thing, here, there wasn't even a case because for whatever reason, all these women, nobody, for whatever reason, none of these women sued this diner. Better than that, though, it went viral, so the diner was like, Oh snap! This isn't good for our, you know, reputational issues. It's on the internet. So then they hire an attorney. Then they retain a former prosecutor, who's, you know, and they and they they put out a statement that was actually beautiful, and you know, an involved statement that says, you know, since all the happenings in the and of course they did it out of shame and fear, and they were at DefCon One. Doesn't really matter, right? They did it. They said now. We're on this. We're all over now this. Now probably going to be a good place to work. Now it'll be a good place to work because this woman came in. They're paying her. It's in the news. She's going to come in and say, presumably, go look at it and says, okay, first of all, all these idiots in the kitchen, all these knuckleheads in the kitchen, right. they all sit and they watch a video. And if one of these guys makes one comment to anybody or during the video cracks wise... You fire his dumb kitchen ash ass, okay? Get him out. Run him out of town on a rail. And what you want is, and again, they should, diner or not, have a little training. And what's wrong with actually teaching these men that the waitresses, they don't, they don't all have to be the owner's daughter. Right. They're somebody's daughter, dummies. They could be your daughters. And I don't understand this that. That's why it's called human rights. That's right. Good point.
So, so it is important to so 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 this diner now has cha- has actually you know had its moment. It's what was that in you know in uh, like a, what was the Christmas Scrooge or something in the original? What's that? What's the story? The Scrooge, which is based on what the Christmas story? What's yeah. the you know the idea that we've seen the future. And it's really bad. We're out of business. Right. So what? Because that's why they did it out of fear. They didn't really care. But they did it. Well, they had to respond in some way. Right. So they responded, and it looks like even if it, even if ultimately it devolves somehow back to whatever. Right now, they're cooking with Crisco. Right. They're doing it. Which is why I say to people who call the office that they are the ones who inspire me, who inspire us to mm-hmm. be in business, because it does take a certain amount of courage to stand up and speak up. Courage, right. Because if you're still working there and this is a good job for you, you've got good hours, you're making good money, it fits into your schedule, it's working for you, you don't want to be fired. You don't want to risk losing a job. So why should you complain? So, but the point is, if the situation is unsustainable, which is why ultimately most people end up walking away. It's like, let me just stay here till I finish school. I'll tolerate it until I can find something better. I'll put right. up with it. I'll do whatever Can't I have to do. Hall, right. So when they call, because they've hit some kind of internal wall or some <coughs> other event happens <coughs> that they can no longer tolerate it, they call. And I will say... Okay, you know, you you have to complain. If I complain, I'll be fired. Right. And that's where I explain, you might, but if you put it in writing, you've now, and they do fire you, or they cut your hours, or they cut your money, or they mess with you, or the cooks keep burning the food or losing your tickets, and it's costing you money, they've, and the owners you know, don't correct that si- the kitchen situation, but that they've now added retaliation right. to your first civil rights complaint. Exactly. Now, there's another part of this we never actually, I think, talk about on the air, but if anybody's actually listening, this is kind of the um, a very important point that you wouldn't otherwise get, and you certainly never heard this in sort of corporate media or reading a book on this, is that... Um, when you complain, there are plenty of people, right, who call us up and say, my situation at work is awful like this. Let's say the diner. I can't stand it. I'm willing to take a, take a, take a stance because I'm not going to actually let anybody call me, you know, whatever they're calling me. Any, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm gonna, I'm, my hair right. is falling out already. I can't stand it. My mother right. didn't raise this fool. So I'm going to, I want to fight back. I also, though, I'm really happy to get out of this popsicle stand. If I right, I'm saying because I, they they don't respect me anyway. The concept being, if if it's that type of a situation where you then say I'm going to do my Rosa Parks moment, I always call it really the line in the sand. I'm not going to the back of the bus. You picked on the wrong gal on the wrong day. It's not happening, right? You know, listen, Rosa Parks herself. I'm always saying that, but right, she kicking and screaming. They hold her off to jail. It wasn't. It was a long time before she became the Rosa Parks of Rosa Parks. It took some a lot of courage, but 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 here it won't take as much courage as that. You, you say, I'm going to take a position and complain. Now, most employers know, maybe even this diner when they speak to their own you know, lawyer or somebody's cousin, that once you've said, I'm being sexually harassed, I'm being discriminated against, I'm being treated differently because of my sex, because of my race, whatever, that they then 
the company under federal law and under your state law and under your city law has to take that really dead seriously. And they have to investigate it and they have to determine if there's a law being violated. Is the guy, are the men in the kitchen treating women disrespectfully? If so, they have to fix it. It's called corrective action or remedial action. They have to fix it. What they can't do is make it harder for you. They can't make it worse. They can't fire you, really, unless they catch you smoking crack in the ladies' room. They're not going to, you're not going to give them, they don't have a good non-discriminatory, non-retaliatory reason to fire you. So they can't, so they're stuck with you. So whether it was just you, or maybe at that point you do have a lawyer, there are plenty of us around plaintiffs, employment lawyers that won't charge you money, and that will help you with this. And if it gets to that point where you need someone like us, what we do, to say, okay, we'll write them a letter now, and we're going to say, on your behalf, that we've joined you in your belief that you're being discriminated against, sexually harassed, it's outrageous, it's misogynistic. Um, and it is not something that our client will accept any longer. Um, and we're going to go forward to the EEOC. But we're willing to try to work this out. Now, what is the working it out? Maybe the working it out, out is they fire the worst guy in the kitchen, they apologize to you, they give you a better shift, and it really doesn't happen again. That could happen. But the other thing that happens probably more often is they're willing to say, you know what, checkmate, sister. That's what it's like We're, you know, with, with the complaint. You're saying to them, game on, brothers. You know, I don't have any juice compared to you. You're a big company. You know, I'm just a lowly waitress or will lowly somebody. But you know what? I'm wrapping myself in these laws, in the Constitution, in the civil rights laws of the United States, of, you know, of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I am in sort of shrouded with that. And I'm, t- I'm, coming, I'm saying to you that, that the laws, federal laws of this nation, say what you're doing is illegal. And I want some redress. I want this resolved. And if they're not willing to do it or if they say, we're not going to be held hostage by you, but they can't fire you because then they're walking into a case. That's the case. Then you're not making money because you're fired. And why are you fired? Because they fired you a week after they got your letter or you spoke to them and tape recorded your complaint. And that looks like backlash, right? It looks like why else did they fire you again unless you stole $5,000 over the weekend out of this safe? Right. So that the fact that they can't fire you then because you now have invoked a protected status, you have really shown them that, you know what, you messed with the wrong gal at the wrong time, um, it gives you negotiating leverage. And what happens is they often pay employees to leave, i.e. known as severance or a settlement agreement. So if not, not a king's ransom, not John Grisham novel type you know, numbers because they don't have to. And the law doesn't support that. But if you're a waitress in a diner and they, you get to get out of this diner and get out of Dodge and get out of this you know, hell with maybe six months of pay and unemployment benefits that they have to give you and then you negotiate and you know, a reference that they won't hurt you with until you find another waitress job and you're collecting unemployment, plus you've taught them a lesson, plus it might not happen to the next woman who comes after you, which is a big thing for us, and we say that to clients. Right. That's something you could say, that you've made a difference. That you know, It may not be in the newspapers, but you've, you've created this energy that keeps on giving. It's almost like paying it forward right. to the next person who might be 15 years old now and is going to work there next. Right. right? It's all important. Exactly. So... Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this is exactly why I will spend 45 minutes or an hour talking to 
um, people who call explaining because maybe they just quit. Maybe they, you know, did something that was not in their best interest case-wise. Right. You know, protecting their interest-wise. And I explain it not, you know, oh, you know, too bad, but... This is the ideal way to do it. And I spend that time explaining this because I do believe that I am putting, that what we do is we put it out there. And even though that person we may not help today, but she has now explained everything that you've told her or that I've told her to her friends, her sisters, her cousins, so that they... And right. that's how the more people, because that right. is the most shocking thing, that people call and say, I was wrongfully terminated. But before you go any further no, on this, because I just realized we've still only hit just one story. Okay, hit me with another story. Okay, the, the other one I wanted to talk about, because it was so shockingly like one that actually was in the office. This is in Houston, and this is with a man who was being severely sexually harassed, turned violent, actually, uh, and has a lawsuit against a grocery store. I guess you can say it because it's a case now, right? It's like public filing. It's, it's in the news. Well, it's in the news, but I don't have to add to it, really. Well, but it doesn't after, really matter. Yeah. Okay, I mean, well, you don't have to say it because it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, af- uh, and I'm just going to read part of this. A man, after months of alleged sexual harassment by a supermarket co-worker and a death threat for reporting... Uh, the conduct. And essentially, this guy was being sexually harassed by a co-worker, coming on to him, uh, very unwelcome, very threatening, at one point then ultimately ended up holding a knife to his neck, mm-hmm. um, you know, that if you tell anybody, if you, you know, if you're not mine. But this man, this was... It was horrible. He complained all up and down the chain, and nobody did anything. Right. And why this was uh, really struck me, this one, is because we actually had somebody calling our office for about a year. Mm-hmm. The same kind of situation. And the challenge was this guy really wanted to keep his job, right. like this guy working right. at his grocery store, really wanted to keep his job, didn't want to leave, just wanted to be left alone. This The guy that was calling our office, was a, he was would walk to the bus stop and was followed, harassed. You know, the guy, the uh, harasser would get on the bus and sit across from him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. it was horrible. Right. So, again, now here is a man being, you know, sexually harassed by a co-worker. And the guy is not gay, which is why he felt uh, even more uncomfortable. Well, actually... This one wouldn't matter whether you were gay or not. No, no, right? but I'm just saying. Because the guy who was calling our office, oh, right. in particular, okay, you know, right. it just made right. it even more but, uncomfortable for him because it's like. But even uh, if you are gay, I mean, remember, I mean, it's no, never I, about no. Yeah. But I just because most men picture, oh, I, you know, if it was like so-called reverse sexual harassment, you know, you're thinking it's like to me more. 
who's coming on to you and going like, and you got when, when, when is that going to happen? I can't, it's like a fantasy. Of course, if you picture, you know, when it's your boss and she's like the woman in Seven Beauties, you know, at knife point, who's telling you to perform, okay, it doesn't really matter what your orientation is. This, this was, in the case you're referring to, man on man, and again, we have no idea what they're, what the victim's yeah, orientation is, yeah. but but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, first of all, same sex harassment, same sex harassment is the same. Is the same. Well, for the last fifteen years, it's been you know it's actionable. It's the same, and but but you know here even more. What's just you know again this is this part of our rape culture here in yes. this in this department this store. It. I know, but but you could hear. But I'm saying what's so you know sick that we don't really that sort of the culture supports this is here you have a man who's working in a supermarket right a hard-working 50 year old guy who his boss who's been to prison and who's been there you know a number of years more than him so he's hooked up he keeps first of all he was i read this grabbing his buttocks yeah when are you going to give me some of that right you know no one will believe you when i was in prison i used to rape guys like you in jail i'd rather be with a guy than a woman the knife to his neck blah 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 he started he complained to three and supervisors and started crying and wanted to one of them and then then they started calling him yeah. crybaby at work exactly. okay so and no one did squat and ultimately beside the fact that he sued what was the upshot of this he resigned because they did nothing now he's the suing no no yeah. is he the abuser resigned or yeah. the, the victim yeah no the um uh salinas um castillo resigned okay and the guy who the the guy with the prison record, okay. the, the abuser, well, good. Okay. he ended so up still, resigning. Okay, so victim is still there. See, if I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just reading the blurb that you had handed me. If and as long as you're mentioning the names of these individuals, it was Kroger. Kroger, if that's the store, I don't. Not in our neck of the woods, but. Um, you know, again, it's it's there, there was a obviously the fact that this is being reported on means there's a lawsuit. I don't know what happened to the victim if he's still there or not. He certainly has actual harms from his emotional distress dealing with this. I mean, the fact that maybe that the perpetrator actually quit in the you know in the wake of a lawsuit. Okay, okay, um, is is maybe certain amount of justice. But, I mean, he, here, this is just to show that we don't really have a mechanism, do we? I mean, if this is happening to somebody who says, I, this is my job. What am I, I mean, I, I do. I support myself working in a butcher thing. In the, and what do I do when I go in every day, like something from one of those, you know, jail movies, the guy is looking at me and says, I get, you know, hey, what do you do about it? What you do is complain, except here, those complaints fell on deaf ears. I mean, this was also in... Houston. Houston, okay. So now, not to, you know, no aspersions on Houston. We've been there, lovely city. It's probably more sophisticated, but it's Texas. Yeah. Okay, so in Texas, it's a little, you know, redder than at least we're used to, and, and you know, they're a little bit behind the curve, right, in terms of what they think is acceptable or not. Okay, but there are still laws that would protect this man. There, there are. And that there is no difference between really what he was experiencing other than the knife point. Although I will right. tell you that... Uh, a, you know, this was another question I wanted to bring up. This isn't a, a news story. Somebody called. I wanted to know. Somebody called today. She works at a retail outlet. The uh, She works in a very bad neighborhood. A lot of crazy people come into the store. <coughs> You're supposed to use that cutoff button. Remember know, the cough button? Um, the... Uh, 
so she's been harassed by crazy people that come into the store. She's been pushed, hit, spit on, you know, uh, homeless maybe. So they hired uh, a security guy to, you know, be present in the store at all times. But this guy, because didn't like her and was not, like when she would call and say, there's a crazy customer here, please come to the front of the store, he wouldn't do it. She, you know, repeatedly, she has been assaulted three times. This last time, she tells the manager, this crazy person came into the store, she says she's coming back. The police can't do anything because there's no picture. The video camera doesn't take a good front face, so they can't really try and track her down and arrest her. But they, the manager says the next time she comes in, call the police right away. She's done everything that the manager says. If you are being physically assaulted by customers... Does your employer have a responsibility to protect you? And what is the law that protects you? No, and none. The, the laws that, I mean, now to unpack that a little bit, it, in and of itself, I mean, the, you know, the criminal laws, laws would protect. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, if somebody's coming into the store to assault you and commit a crime, whether you're, you know, pr- pr- presumably your employer would have just as much interest in not having you get well, you apparently know, this employer doesn't. Okay. That's the point. What, what I, but what I think it comes down to is it's not about working in a dangerous, they'll say, hey, this is, we're dodging bullets here, we're working in the middle of this, you know, whatever, this, this crazy is a, inner city. a mainstream okay, retail but it's in, store. But it's in, but you said, I'm saying, if it's in a bad neighborhood, so to speak. Yes. And they're saying people can walk in and they are who they are. And they walk in and they do what they do. And we have our little tin badge and yo-yo at the front door, but he does what he can do, and that's it. Everybody has to deal with these people, you included. Now, what is it I thought you said that when this guy came in and she calls for backup, for help, for the cavalry, to help her, they don't come. Right. Then the question is, can she say, because it wasn't about the idiots coming in who are harassing her, the violent, let's say, The patron. store was not protecting but her. The store was not, but if the store is not protecting her, why? If it really, if it's sort of, if the idea is, you said, I think the manager who could protect her doesn't like her or something? No, 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 the security guy. And because she's complained about him so many times for not Right, but she would still have to in. say, unfortunately, under, the store doesn't really have a fiduciary obligation in and of itself for their little, for their... To, you know, but she could say that it's because I'm a woman. That's right. And, 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 and she might be able to say... And this guy's got emotional issues about it. Right. That, that's, that's the case. Yeah. So if she's saying that he's discriminated, that the store itself through this the security guard who has it in for me because I'm a woman or because I'm a woman of color or because I'm a fill-in-the-blank that was something, typically right. as a woman, that that's where I have my leverage as a case because the store... Just like I mentioned once the other day about, you know, if you're a waitress in Pizza Hut and the guy keeps saying, I want her station so I could sexually harass her, and your manager keeps saying, hey, he's the customer, he's going to sit in your station, and we're going to let him, right. he's just a, you're responsible because you keep letting him pinch my ass. Right. So if they keep letting this guy come in and put you in harm's way, they could say, hey, we, let, we do that with everybody. But assuming that they don't, and she could say as a 40-year-old woman or whatever, has some, that's the leverage. Again, what is it for? Does she want to keep that job? Then she better hope that they don't take that threat. There's always this balance, and it's why we always say you kind of have to do it deftly. Because if you do complain to your employer and you say, you're discriminators. If she said, you let him come in and be, you don't do that with anybody else. It's race discrimination. It's age, it's, it's gender discrimination. 
you know, are you going to be able to work there for many years to come if you want to? Are you creating an environment? Just saying, again, is that the type of a situation where you may need a lawyer to negotiate an exit strategy because they may not like that. You know, all all, this, all workplaces are kind of like dysfunctional families, some yeah. bigger than others, right? Yeah. And if you say to your family, you write them this certified letter saying, please be advised, this shit's illegal, I'm going to sue you if so you don't see, fix this it. This is what is so shocking is that you can get punched by a customer and your employer is not held responsible in some way. Now, if it's a one-off, I understand things like that happen. <coughs> but <coughs> if, because that's just crazy. Well, lots of things in our culture are crazy. I mean, you know, but you're not protect. Why is your employer have any special obligation to protect because you? Because she keeps saying and complaining that this this is a, a okay. repeated situation. Okay, but why she could be called nine one one two if there is a situation where she's saying again the security guard yeah. only lets him beat me up. He's a security guard. How come he's not? I mean, once the, I, I I take back a little bit this whole they don't have a fiduciary duty if they're in a dangerous neighborhood and they've hired a security guard to keep the peace, but then he sits there looking the other way when this person is harassing you, there's a certain amount of negligence. Then our negligence lawyer friends, if she were hurt, might want to take that for saying they were reckless, negligent, they, you know, but it's not... What I'm looking at from our perspective as Dis- discrimination lawyers right, is does that give you as a civil issue, not right criminal and not a tort of, you know. A, yeah, now you're getting too legal. Okay. So, so <laughs> the question is, so again, that's, that, the case is a little one-offy to begin with because most people probably don't have that. Well, I had never had this kind of a call. That's why right. I, I was uh, just curious. I mean, if she quits, you know, one of the things in, in, in the world that, that exists, the notion of, you know, if you're in a situation where no reasonable person in your shoes would think it's safe to stay there and you have to quit it's not a voluntary abandonment of your job it is you're being sort of for you're dodging bullets you're out of here for safety but you'll you be able to collect to unemployment put it in writing if you did quit you have to you want to always put it in writing otherwise before again you're just you writing that. yeah before and you do that exactly how they yeah, yeah, yes you do right don't like throw that. out the baby with the bathwater right, so let's just wrap this up so somebody feels they are being discriminated against based on age race gender sexual harassment pregnancy whatever it is Number one, you try to speak to the person to say, can we work this out, especially if you want to keep your job. Well, you, you first try- of all, what was the first thing? that you did? They, The person realizes that they, they say to themselves, yeah, not we're ju- just doing a quick okay, wrap-up. Okay. This is someone feels their civil rights have been violated in some way. Because of a protected status race, like that. race, gender, right. exactly. Okay. First, you try to... Work it out with whomever is hurting right. you and or harming right. you in whatever right. way. Try. If it doesn't work, the first thing you must do by law is notify your employer in writing, formal notification. I feel I'm being discriminated against. This happened. This happened. I want this investigated. Please contact right. me. Right. The law doesn't make you do that. Common sense makes you do that. Right. So, therefore, and you send that in a verifiable way, Federal Express, certified mail, some way you can prove that you've notified the employer, not your manager, not the district person, but the employer, mm-hmm. the owner, if it's a smaller company. And then you have to wait and see how they respond. Exactly. And then, depending on if they respond or not, then you can figure out your next steps. Right. But first and foremost, you must notify them if their response is 
to mess with you in some way, any kind of backlash. Your hours are cut, your money's cut, you're fired. That is a stronger case, maybe, because that could be considered <coughs> retaliation. That is the case, because then the corporate entity, the entity, not just the idiot who is touching your belly when you're right. pregnant, but the corporate entity has weighed in and not done very much. And right. so then, if they mess with you more, you could file with your local state division of human rights or the EEOC. Or, or probably get a lawyer first. You probably should get a lawyer. I tell everybody. To get, get a, a lawyer, lawyer first. Where a, and when you file can and, impact your future Right, options. And you should check the National Employment Lawyers Association in San Francisco for their list because you want a lawyer who's not going to charge you money because probably because they see what the value is to this. Right. They're civil rights lawyers working for employees. Yeah. So that's what you should do. All right. Does that sum it up? Pretty much. So, okay. Well, we have, I think, just about a minute left. So n- nicely done. Deb, we don't talk about any in the last minute, any other. Well, I don't know that we could come up with, you know, because there were a couple more that, uh, you know, the one thing I noticed is the number of um, city cops, Right, right. Um, judges, that's right. That's a good point. We didn't even handle deal with that case. That uh, because when you are involved or working for a governmental agency, right. some sort of agency, yeah, it's a big lumbering beast. They can't right. settle cases, which is why you don't read about all the managers, supervisors, and CEOs who are doing exactly. the same kind of sexual right. Well, harassment. they don't have an independent, like a private company could just say, we're going to pay you some money and get you out of here. Yeah. There's too much going on um, in the government. There's too many chiefs and too many cooks in the kitchen. So it takes a much longer time. But the same rules, of course, apply that we've, right. been, we've been talking about. Right. So, okay. Well, thank you, ladies and germs, as uh, Jack Benny used to say. Uh, we appreciate your attention. We hope this was helpful for you today. From Jack Tuckner and Deborah Orell, the women's rights in the workplace advocates at Tuckner, Sipser, Weinstock, and Sipser. And uh, our, I'm sorry, I was listening to our music because I love it so much. Women'sRightsNY.com is a website. And you can find me, Jack Tuckner, on Twitter, Deborah Orell, uh, Deborah Orell on Twitter, and follow us. And uh, we're on Facebook, too, all those places. So give us a look-see, and we'll see you here next week, 5 p.m. at the Progressive Radio Network, prn.fm, right here from New York City. And we're looking forward to seeing you again. Please come back, and remember, don't quit, even if you're having big problems at work. Bye-bye.